If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, TakeOver just went down. We've got a draft coming up this week. The WWE refs are terrible. And a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. You know, it's always fun. It's always fun getting to record this right after some good wrestling. You know how I feel about good wrestling. You know, by now, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, good wrestling puts me in a good mood. Bad wrestling puts me in a bad mood all the time. Bad wrestling, I go to bed with a bubble in my stomach. There's just something, I just can't, I can't find peace when wrestling is bad. But when wrestling is good, the world sings to me. And right now, the world is singing to me. So what better time than on this Monday to bring to you Not Sam Wrestling 311. Chill. (laughs) I've been waiting to do that for 311 weeks. Uh, Yes. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, coming at you uh, at the time of this recording anyway, directly after TakeOver 31. It's been a busy day for yours truly, the last professional broadcaster. Uh, Of course, uh, starting my wrestling content day by providing some content to you, co-hosting the NXT TakeOver 31 pre-show, along with that goof Scott Stanford. Uh, And if there is any, uh, if there's any doubt that I hosted that show, you don't have to even go to the network and rewatch the show just to confirm that. If you want to confirm that, check my at mentions. If you check my at mentions on any given Sunday, you'll be able to find out whether or not I hosted a kickoff show. And they are a mess. So rest assured, a kickoff show was hosted by yours truly. Um, And a point that I tried to get across on that kickoff show, and I think it's the line that I closed with, was that for me, TakeOver was, while it was about the individual matches, it was also about the sum of all its parts, right? I knew going in, when you look over that card, the first observation you can make when you look at that card is that a lot of the matches are matches that even as recently as the last TakeOver, you wouldn't have expected to be on this show, right? Most of the time with NXT TakeOver, they're predictable in a good way. You you see what's coming. And you want it to be what's coming, and then it delivers, right? Like you kind of know 
who the teams are going to be in War Games. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly who I wanted. You know, before War Games is announced, the crowd's chanting, War Games, War Games. You can kind of see down the line, okay, we, when you have a championship match at TakeOver, for example, or when somebody wins the title, it's usually one or two people that are going to be the next person to main event a TakeOver with that champion. Um, and the same thing goes for the women's division. You know, there's kind of a, a pretty clear hierarchy when you look at NXT uh, as to who's going to get those opportunities. And the fact that they do, instead of a pay-per-view every month, they do a takeover basically every eight weeks, more or less. And they're short shows. There's only five matches on the show. Tonight's show is about two hours and 25 minutes. Not everybody gets a, a, a shot to be on. Just being on a takeover is a big deal, you know? one match on tonight's show was not for a championship. And there were uh, there was a title. The tag team championship wasn't even defended. So just even having a title is not a guaranteed uh, opportunity uh, to get a match on a takeover. But because of that, because they're so limited, you can kind of predict where they're going to go. And with this show, none of these matches were predictable. In fact, two weeks ago, when they were like, okay, we're going to have a battle royal to find out who is going to be in the the women's championship match at TakeOver. And, you know, I, I, I had my idea of who I thought it was. I think a lot of other people had their idea of who they thought it was, and it turned out to be somebody completely different. And over the course of about two weeks, a story was told that people didn't see coming. And you could say that about every match. Like, let's let's go down the matches. Even before talking about who won them, I mean, we can talk about who won them as we talk about it, but... Look at these five matches, right? You have your Swerve Scott, Santos Escobar, Cruiserweight Championship match. Just the fact that this match is on a TakeOver show is a big deal. The Cruiserweight title doesn't get defended on TakeOver shows. So now you are really, you are you are upping the ante on the Cruiserweight Championship. You're also, you got two, you don't have two quote-unquote 205 Live guys. And I don't say that with any disrespect, although... If I was a quote-unquote 205 Live guy, I would probably be disrespected by that remark. But let's be honest. There is a hierarchy to superstars in the WWE. And the 205 Live guys are guys that even the most avid fans may not know who they are. I'm not saying that that's a good thing. But for instance, there's a difference between an NXT guy and an NXT UK guy. NXT UK has their own fan base. It's a smaller fan base than NXT. They're not on the USA Network in primetime every week. 205 Live has a smaller fan base than NXT does. And therefore, the conversation about what's going on in the Cruiserweights is a much smaller conversation. Tonight, putting that match on a takeover with two guys like Santos Escobar, who comes across like a superstar, like an NXT caliber superstar, the type of superstar where not only is he in NXT now, but he could just as easily be traded over to Raw or SmackDown. If Santos Escobar showed up on Raw or SmackDown, I don't think anybody would be sitting there going, I don't know if this guy's ready. They'd go, yeah, I'm interested to see what's going on. Same thing for Swerve. Same thing for Swerve Scott. If he showed up on Raw or SmackDown, I mean, and I, I'm a big Swerve Scott fan. You guys know that if you've been listening, but it wouldn't be like, whoa, what's this guy coming out of nowhere being on Raw for? It'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Swerve Scott from NXT. He's got a background. He's got a foundation. He's on Raw now. 
So the fact that that was the Cruiserweight Championship match, I think does a lot for the Cruiserweight title. And the fact that it happened on a takeover does a lot for the Cruiserweight Championship. Let's go to Velveteen Dream and Kushida. This match was about making Kushida a star. This match was about taking Kushida from, honestly, the type of superstar that you would see competing for the Cruiserweight Championship. This is a guy who was in that Cruiserweight tournament. This match was about taking him out of that conversation and putting him into the conversation where, you know, I, I think a month ago, or coming right off the Cruiserweight tournament, if the North American Championship match is Kushida versus uh, Damian Priest, you're like, oh, okay. They're just going to—not that it's a full-on enhancement talent match, but Kushida's being used as a person with a name to put over Damian Priest. It's a given. Now, it's not a given anymore because Velveteen Dream isn't a— I mean, he was, for a period of time, the guy in NXT. Let's talk about the North American Championship match. The idea that Johnny Gargano, who not long ago at all, was, I mean, not only was he in the conversation for championship title contenders in NXT, he was the NXT champion. He was the NXT, he was the person that Adam Cole defeated for the NXT championship. So the idea that Damian Priest, the North American champion, is now at the level where he is competing against a Johnny Gargano. And he doesn't even have to win. Just the fact that there is this conversation of, yeah, Damian Priest can probably beat Johnny Gargano automatically puts Damian Priest on an entirely different level. Let's go to the women's championship match, okay? Realistically, your women's division, upper tier, as of WrestleMania, was Charlotte, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai somehow snuck her way in there. And that was your your triple threat at at uh uh takeover in your house. But ever since then, it's just been like it's it's almost like it's a foregone conclusion. Like Io Shirai won the NXT women's championship in order to lose it to Rhea Ripley. And that is where things get predictable in a bad way. Because that is where you're showing a shallowness of your roster. That is where you get to a point where you're like, oh, Jesus, like there are just no stories to tell here, huh? And they flipped it on us. They said, actually, there are stories to tell here. What if I told you Candice LeRae was going to get the shot? Not only that I told that I told you Candice LeRae was going to get the shot, but NXT has built up such a reputation and has built up such faith from the fan base that the fan base will now watch and go, this person who I didn't expect to be in this championship match, it's possible that they might win the NXT Women's Championship tonight. Same thing can be said for the NXT Championship. Finn Balor and the NXT Championship. You know, everything got thrown in the air when Karrion Cross went out with that injury. You know, I think that that maybe was supposed to be the jumpstart to what this next generation of NXT is going to look like. But it didn't happen. So tonight became what the next era of NXT is going to look like. And what they did was they took Kyle O'Reilly. And, and, and let's be honest, the entire Undisputed Era, right? The Undisputed Era, while 
the best faction in the history of NXT, everybody in that faction has their roles. When they come out and they say, we're going to win all the titles, there's no mysteries to who's going to win what title. There's no mysteries to who's the best. It's like there's a title in NXT for each member. We have one member of the group who is the North American Championship type person, Roddy Strong. We have two members of the group that are the tag team, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. And we have one member of the group that is the NXT Championship contender. And that's Adam Cole. Once you've had the titles and you've lost the titles, where do you go from here? Was the point point of Undisputed Era just to turn Adam Cole into a star? Because realistically, I mean, you could have Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly be a tag team forever, but you've made Adam Cole a star. So if that was the only reason for Undisputed Era to exist, do you need the other three guys anymore? Well, what if I told you that wasn't the only reason for them to exist? What if I told you that we're going to make stars out of multiple people in this group? Like every good faction should. I'd say, who's next? They'd say, Kyle O'Reilly. I'd go, really? Sell me on this. And over the last, I guess, three weeks from that uh, uh, gauntlet eliminator, really, we stepped into the gauntlet eliminator going like, I don't even understand what's going on. You know, I mean, I think we were in the Not Sam Discord room that a lot of the Not Sam shells are in. Uh, you get access to that at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. But there was a conversation. That was the first time that I looked, really looked at the landscape and said, yeah, I want Kyle O'Reilly to win this match. And once that happened and a couple of weeks of TV happened and you get to take over and this story is being told through the match, you're going, I see Kyle O'Reilly as a potential champion. Like if Kyle O'Reilly had won the NXT championship tonight, you wouldn't have had people going, what is Hunter doing? What is Jean-Paul Levesque doing? This is insane. You would have had people going like, this is awesome. This is cool. They would have gone like this. This is awesome. And so that's why I thought going in, TakeOver 31 was all about where NXT is going and, and getting us to the future. You know, I think that, that all wrestling, really, I think you could loop AEW in with this as well, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. When, when COVID hit, and when the, pan when, when the pandemic hit and when lockdown happened and people were just kind of figuring out what is this going to look like, there was a couple months where it was almost like just being on TV was the, it was so much effort to just keep the product alive that simply keeping the product alive became the goal. And what you ended up having was realistically between WrestleMania and I'd say April, May, and June, maybe into July too, you had product that if you just look at it without the context of the world going on around us, you're looking at it as something that is starts to get a little bit stale because the goal is just keeping it on TV. It really, I don't think, was until for Raw and SmackDown, I think everything changed um, when the Thunderdome came into play because it started to feel like, okay, now we're getting to a place where we figured out how even with the world that we're in right now, we can present the product the way it should be presented. And for NXT, I think that they were slowed down a little bit because they didn't have a Thunderdome because they lost Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Can you imagine having a big championship match between two guys who are fairly new to NXT 
and right after that match, losing both guys, that's your entire main event scene. Time to rebuild right now. And so I think it slowed down NXT a little bit. Now, now I think you're looking at an NXT that is starting to develop new characters, an NXT that is starting to develop new stories, an NXT where you're looking going, I can't tell you what TakeOver is going to look like in March. I can't even tell you, let's say they're going to do another TakeOver, I don't know, maybe Survivor Series weekend. Just a guess on my part. I have no idea when the next TakeOver is. They tell me about three weeks in advance, and they go, you want to? I go like this, yeah, 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 yeah. So let's say Survivor Series weekend is the next TakeOver, maybe. It's about, what, That's a, six weeks? Do we have any idea what that show is going to look like? I don't. On any level, for any title, I couldn't possibly tell you. I would say, you know, I would build up Kushida to get to a place where you've got a, a Damian Priest versus Kushida North American Championship match. But other than that, I don't know. And really, that's just fantasy booking. That's not predicting. Because look at what we got on this show, right? Not only did we get that card, which says everything you could possibly say in and of itself. But then day of show, they announced, hey, by the way, we're not at full sale anymore. And the arena that we're in, I think it was the Performance Center, has been uh, changed and transferred into the Capitol Wrestling Center, which to me is a night and day difference when you watch that show. I mean, just the little things, right? So at the beginning of COVID, I was, I was harping on this idea that you have to make it so the things that you have to do almost feel like choices. You have to make it so that these things that are setbacks, we just show in a different way. So it seems like, oh, this is actually a benefit. Pyro in the Thunderdome, for example. Well, guess what? You know, now that we can't have chairs there, we can put a whole bunch of explosives there instead. I think that the little things, I think putting the chain link fence over the plexiglass, all of a sudden you see the plexiglass and it's like, well, that's up because it has to be. The chain link fence makes it look like, oh, that's up because it's an aesthetic choice and it fits the motif of NXT. So I'm going already, I'm like sold on that. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. Honestly, like when I saw the video that Vic Joseph announced, I don't know how Vic Joseph got the Vince McMahon gig. We go from Vince McMahon announcing WrestleMania to Vic Joseph. And I mean, talk about a rise. 2020 has been the year of MVP and Vic Joseph. <laughs> but when I saw the video before TakeOver, I didn't really know what to make of it, to tell you the truth. I was like, oh, okay. Like, because it was just lights and stuff like that. I was like, it honestly looks like the performance center. And then, you know, there's chain link fence. I don't like the chain link fence, but I don't know. Once I saw it in action and you saw it with the limited fans that were in attendance um, and then the video screens, fans around it and, the, and everything going on, I was like, okay, now we're talking about something. They piped in sound. I, this was just, this by far, TakeOver 31 is the third TakeOver of the quarantine era, of the pandemic era. And it was by far the best. This TakeOver was much better 
than TakeOver 30, and this TakeOver was much better than TakeOver in your house. And a lot of that has to do with the vibe. A lot of that has to do with just how it makes you feel. It felt more like we were watching NXT. It felt bigger. It felt more fan-centric. It didn't feel like we were being presented something that was being fed to us. It felt like we were a part of something again. And that's what NXT, that's the strength has always been in NXT, feeling like you're a part of something. I thought the, the now I do wonder, because that's obviously going to be where they do NXT TV going forward in the Capitol Wrestling Center. So I do wonder how they keep takeovers looking special. If that become like that first one, yeah, it looked and felt special. But if that's where we have TV every week, it's going to make the TV better for sure. But is it going to feel special when you go back there for TakeOver? Or are you going to have to change it up? I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Every match was great on the show. I, there was definitely not one bad match. Um, it's hard to say what was my favorite match. It felt like every time I had a favorite match... The ne- it was whatever match I was watching. I, the EO Candice match was great. The Balor Kyle O'Reilly match was out of this world. Probably those two matches were were my favorite. But the Gargano Priest match was great. All the matches were great. Really, top to bottom, great matches. They uh, uh, they announced that Halloween Havoc's back, and Shotzi Blackheart is hosting it. That's huge for Shotzi. That means that NXT, and isn't that refreshing, that we're watching NXT going, is it just me or Shotzi Blackheart becoming a bigger star every week? And NXT is like, it's not just you. We hear you, and we got Halloween Havoc coming back, and Shotzi Blackheart's going to be the host. And I'm looking at her Instagram, and she's recommending uh, horror movies. And I'm like, this is a real G here. This is not, she's not faking the funk with these horror movies. This is somebody who actually lives this. She's about it, and I appreciate that. I'm a big Shotzi Blackheart fan. You look at what happened with Kushida, and it was everything you hoped it would be. First of all, the fact that Velveteen Dream came out dressed as Doc Brown, I thought was brilliant. But, I mean, he was brutal. He got Velveteen to a point where he was begging, no, 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 and he, he didn't stop. That second, like, pull the shoulder into the corner post, when he could have stopped, he didn't have to do it, and he did it anyway. He left the hold on too long. The fact that he tapped out Velveteen in the middle of the ring clean was like yeah dude this is the Kushida that I was waiting for and I, I, I was reading like some people took that as a heel turn but I, I mean what part of Kushida has not been a heel as we've gone towards NXT how was he not a heel going into this match I mean a more aggressive Kushida what does aggressive mean it means he's a bad guy now read between the lines so I, I thought Kushida was elevated tremendously. I thought the Cruiserweights were elevated tremendously because not only did you have the match, but then you had that promo with the other dude uh, who was, it was a great promo. And now all of a sudden I'm interested in it and I want to see what's going on next with him. Like you, you've now got multiple people in the Cruiserweight division that are characters that I'm interested in. I mean, don't get me started on the women's division. So, uh, not Sam front row, WWE front row, who's a member of our Discord, and not Sam Schill. He, I think, was the first person 
who suggested it might be Ember Moon. And if you if you are a, a member of our Patreon, you know, on Thursday, I put out the bonus podcast for all Patreon members, all the Not Sam Shells. I put out the bonus podcast uh, and and said that, yes, when you boil it down, it could be Bo Dallas, but it is very likely Ember Moon. And if you look at that last vignette where she had the leather jacket on with the puffy, it looked like Ember Moon to me. That last week, last week's TV, the Wednesday show, I was like, yeah, if I had to, if I were a betting man right now, and Scott Stanford even said to me when we were doing the show today, he goes like, uh, who do you think it's going to be, Bo Dallas? And I was like, yeah, it might be Ember Moon. He's like, oh, Ember Moon. And it was. What I didn't realize was, I mean, the fact that you had, so, so you've got Candice LeRae in the ring, right? She could say she wants a rematch. P- Shotzi Blackheart was the last person in that battle royal. This is why NXT is so smart because they could have made Rhea Ripley the last person in that battle royal, but instead they had her eliminated halfway through. So now you haven't taken anything away from Rhea Ripley. She's still entitled to say that she's, you know, she, she's still a, a giant star. So she's still entitled to say that she wants a women's championship match. And if you watched that kickoff show, which you should have, cause I was on it. They showed the clip of the Facebook interview that Triple H did with Mackenzie Mitchell, not Mackenzie Phillips, Scott Stanford, Mackenzie Mitchell. And and Rhea Ripley said she wants a, a, an opportunity at the title. And Triple H was like, yeah, he basically said that she deserves one and she's a top talent. But the fact that they did not put her at the end of that match and then instead they left it as Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart at the end of that match. You've now just put another person in that slot of potential people who could compete for the NXT Women's Championship. You've got Candice LeRae who can get a rematch anytime she wants. As far as I'm concerned, she cemented herself in that match as a contender for the title. And I feel that way because as the match unfolded and as that story progressed, I was so in love with the idea of Candice LeRae being the NXT Women's Champion. I think Candice LeRae, at this point in her career, would be an amazing NXT Women's Champion. Just, uh, just impossible. Obnoxious. You can't get it off of her. Johnny Gargano basically becomes her cheerleader. It would be such a great angle to have Candice LeRae as the NXT Women's Champion and Johnny Gargano as her supporter and and just watching them drive this women's division absolutely insane. I was there for it. So you got Candace. You got Shotzi, who's in that picture now. You've got Rhea Ripley, who put herself there and was there because, you know, since WrestleMania, like you've been waiting to to for her to get a, a, another opportunity at the title. You've now also got Ember Moon, because of all the vignettes leading to TakeOver and the fact that, like, look, the NXT audience is forgiving. Like, the NXT audience knows the deal. If you dominate on NXT and then you go to Raw and you don't really get used and you come back to NXT, you're not a Raw scrub. You're Ember Moon from NXT. And that was the reaction Ember Moon got at the Capitol Wrestling Center last night at, at TakeOver. So you got Ember Moon and then... The screen lights up, and bada bing, bada boom, Tony Storm is back. So you've got five women, five, 
who all have a legitimate claim to getting the next NXT Women's Championship match. And honestly, could you throw Dakota Kai in there too? Yeah. Raquel Gonzalez is the one that's got a, a, a problem with Rhea Ripley. She's right there. I don't think Mercedes Martinez is in NXT anymore. I think she might have changed her name. But Aaliyah is still there being represented by Robert Stone. Robert Stone gets deals done. I mean, there's the, 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 the depth of the NXT women's division. In one night, watching NXT create that level of depth in their women's division and in their cruiserweight division, it's just like mind-blowing. It's like this is the way wrestling should be. This is why they, the center that NXT performs in is the capital of wrestling. Capital Wrestling Center. And how about the fact that I could just say wrestling on a WWE pre-show over and over again? Because Papa Hunter named it Capital Wrestling Center. I love it. I love it. Then we go forward. We get to the NXT Championship match. And not only is there all this story, because I believe we are in for a Bailey sasha Banks long play friendship thing. I believe that when all is said and done, we are going to have our Gargano Champa level program between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. I think this is a long play thing. You know, people were really looking at this match in very simplistic wrestling terms, which is, well, Adam Cole is Kyle O'Reilly's friend, so... Kyle O'Reilly will win the title and Adam Cole will turn on him. Or Kyle O'Reilly will almost win the title and Adam Cole will cost it. And it's like, no, no. Think bigger. Think longer. Long term here. I believe that we are in for something that it could it could take six months. It could take a year. But I think that I think that 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 Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly is the next legendary NXT rivalry that you're looking at. And I don't think there's going to be any titles on the line, and I don't think there should be. Because I think we're looking at an NXT where you're going to be able to have Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. You're going to be able to have Rhea Ripley chasing the women's championship. You're going to be able to have a cruiserweight title that matters. You're going to be able to have Kushida and Damian Priest elevated and competing for the North American title. You're going to have a tag team division, and then you're also going to have Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in a battle, a series of battles for the ages. And oh, by the way, as if that wasn't enough, we went ahead and elevated Rich Holland so he's in the conversation with Finn Balor and the Undisputed Era. Who's Rich Holland? Oh, he's just that guy who all of a sudden is now in the main event scene. And because his quads are the size of tree trunks, I'll accept it. He's got bigger quads than Ahmed Johnson. He's incredible. But I, I, I think that if you watch that show tonight and it didn't leave you fairly optimistic about the potential of NXT, I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're watching. And you should stop watching it because there's nothing that can happen that would make you happy. The fact that everything that I just laid out is all, not only is everything that I laid out now a possibility, but also 
It's going to happen at the Capitol Wrestling Center. It's going to happen at this place where you're going to have fan interaction and you're going to have sound. And for the first time, for the first time since March, the show is going to feel alive. Let's be honest. Before the Capitol Wrestling Center, before the Thunderdome, these shows did not feel alive. They felt canned and deceased. Now, now they're alive again and good. I'm glad about it. I'm very, very happy about it. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really, really good. Uh, now, I will say uh, that there were uh, a couple of moments that bring me to a point that I was meaning to make anyway. And that is, and let's keep this canon. Let's keep this storyline, okay? I'm a fan. I'm watching this show. I'm watching NXT. I'm watching Raw. I'm watching SmackDown. Something has to be done about WWE's officiating or the complete lack thereof. I mean, it is preposterous. Just to take over tonight, I watched uh, uh, the, e the officiating in the Io Shirai Candice LeRae match was absurd. The fact that that official would spend two hours talking to Johnny Gargano. He's going, hey, that's my shirt. That's my shirt. Bro, you're wearing your shirt, okay? You're going to go ahead and let a lady hit another lady in the head with a championship title while you're sitting here arguing with Johnny Gargano about shirts. Keep control of your wrestling ring, sir. Keep control of your ring. What are you doing? That was preposterous. Then, Finn Balor, after a, a knockdown, drag-out, bloody battle, comes out of it, wants his hand raised as the NXT champion. He can barely get his hand in the air. So what does the referee do? He puts the title on Finn Balor. He does it upside down. Did you see how ridiculous that was? The referee put the title on Finn Balor upside down. Now, I realize an X upside down looks exactly the same, but a T doesn't. A T looks totally different. A T looks like an unfinished capital I. It's insane. Put the belt on upside down or the championship. But you know what? When it's upside down, it might as well be a belt. And what's poor Finn Balor going to do about it? What could he do at that point? He just had the fight of his life. But more specifically and more realistically, I mean, to me, those two grievances that I had about uh, the officiating uh, at TakeOver is probably more just because I'm so wound up over other grievances I've had about officiating. If the officiating had been good leading up to TakeOver, I wouldn't have even have noticed that any of this happened. But the officiating hasn't been good leading up to TakeOver. And... I think at some point you have to explain it. Look, sometimes in wrestling, uh, quote unquote, real life happens in the middle of a match. Things change and stuff has to be altered and stuff doesn't go according to plan. And it can look a little sloppy and that's fine. We sign up for that as wrestling fans. Sometimes we really enjoy it because that's what live athletic entertainment is all about. However, it is incumbent on the WWE and the WWE officials, I don't know if incumbent is the right word, that things make sense. Things must make sense. And I think 
we seriously have to have a discussion about the fact that Vince McMahon or Adam Pierce, I believe that Adam Pierce might be running the company now. I'm not 100% sure on that. But if Adam Pierce really is running WWE, first of all, congrats to the Scrap Daddy. And second of all, you got some work to do. You know, I don't think that you handle retribution terribly well. You know, the idea that this group of, of performance center recruits would come in and trash everything and you decide that the best thing you can do is give them contracts so they're literally allowed to do whatever they want. I heard Tom Phillips say it so many times. They're allowed to do whatever they want. Pierce, not the best idea. However, that I could put aside over the fact that Adam Pierce, you need to control your referees, okay? Let's go through some of these things. Let's go to Raw last week. Let's go to the fact that Aleister Black was DQ'd over contact that was clearly accidental. Anybody, you don't have to be, Aleister Black with one eye could see that it was clearly and completely accidental. Aleister Black getting disqualified for swinging back and the referee deciding, oh, I know the best place I can position my face, right next to this dude's elbow. Referee was in the wrong spot and he caught some friendly fire. That's not Aleister Black's fault. And Aleister Black, we were having a great match. The Kevin Owens-Alistair Black match, we were having a great match. And then all of a sudden, some referee doesn't know how to position himself, and he gets knocked. And then the match is, is, is over via DQ. Terrible officiating. Terrible officiating. For that referee, talk about a God complex. For that referee to end that match because he made a mistake, he's now making it look like Alistair Black's the one that made the mistake, and that's not true. Let's go to the let's go to the pay per view. Let's go to a uh, 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 clash of champions. Let's go to our buddy Chuck Robinson, senior most senior official ever. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Roman is not responding to Chuck Robinson's five count. He says you got to stop Roman. Roman corners Chucky Robs into a corner, and he says don't address me. Roman tells Charles Robinson that he is not worthy of talking to Roman Reigns that way. And what does Charles Robinson do? He shuts up and he allows Roman Reigns to do whatever he wants. Come on, man. Show some authority. I wanted Charles Robinson to step up. You know what Earl Heppner used to do? Remember he used to, like, the bad guy would come to him and shove him. He would shove him right back, and then the bad guy would, for some reason, act like he was all scared of Earl Heppner. You know, maybe you don't have to go that far. but. At least he would stand up for himself a little bit. At least he would maintain some order in his ring. Roman Reigns is running around here going like, that's my ring. The WWE is my organization. That referee needs to sit there and go like, nope, nope. This ring is mine because I got the zebra stripes on, my man. I'm the one who makes the rules here, and I'm the one who enforces the rules, and you, my friend, are breaking them. Show some cajonas. This is the same show, by the way, where something happened to uh, 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 Angel Garza. Stuff gets mixed up. Andrade goes down for the pin. He kicks out at like one and a half, and the referee counts to three, and the match just ends. Now, look, I understand. Sometimes you have to end a match. But listen, more important 
is we have to be able to count on our referees. If you want to institute a thing where a referee can call off a match at any time, that's fine. But if a person kicks out of a pin, you cannot just keep counting. You can't. And then Andrade has a microphone the next night on Raw, and he's just issuing an open challenge. How about I challenge WWE to hire a referee that doesn't count to one and a half and then say match is over? It's literally half a fall. Half a fall. And I understand. Things happen, but you got to address it. Now you got to address it because it happened in front of the entire world. You have to address that this stuff happened and that we're sitting here going like, what was that? How about a few weeks back? We never got a real answer as to why the Mickey James Oscar match was just ended. It was just ended. Mickey James is going like, why did you do that? And the referee just whispered her a secret. Mickey James done a couple like internet interviews where she's like, I don't know what happened. But on television, in character, we've never gotten an appropriate response to that, ever. Why did that referee just end that match? I don't know. I don't know. How about a few weeks before that? How about uh, Ivar, I think it was Ivar, of the Viking Raiders goes down. Ricochet's in the ring. He gets covered for a pin. One, two, kick out three, matches over. It's just the Montreal screw job is happening every other week. Every other week. And like I said, sometimes things go awry. However, I think you got to be accountable to your fans. You got to be accountable with what you put on TV. And I think at this point, fans deserve an answer that's not like, well, this is real life and this is, like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. If a mistake gets made, that's totally fine. But now it's time to incorporate that mistake into story. You, you have to. If something that you don't expect to happen happens, that's okay. You can't blame anybody for that. You know, and you, and you got to do what you got to do. But now, whatever happens on my television screen, I believe, must be answered for in storyline. Anything that is happening within reason. Obviously within reason. But generally speaking, when things are happening, on my television screen, they need to somehow be answered for in storyline. And I believe that somebody needs to go to the former champion of the world, Adam Pierce, who owns the WWE, and say, look, I understand you have garbage security here in WWE that just lets people do whatever they want. But before you worry about getting new security, maybe you need to sit down your officials in a room. Maybe you need to have all the referees sit down in a room and talk to them about what are we doing. And I want to see a story. I want to see a story that get told that explains what's going on with the referees. And even if it's not like, here's why we did it, I don't need a why. I just need a consequence. I want a story that is told that is, you know, we had to, we have to get a whole new set of referees or, you know, the referees are, are acting on their own accord. They're not that something, 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 give me something that draws all this bad officiating into a story so that we can then explain the stuff 
that we wish hadn't happened at all. You know, I think that, uh, I think it would do a world of good. Hey, speaking of uh, Raw and SmackDown, where a lot of this officiating is going on, we are five days away from the next draft. The next draft is going down uh, this Friday night on SmackDown. SmackDown has been doing a string of good shows. You know, uh, Carmella truly shocked the world. I think uh, nobody saw that coming, that Carmella was the mysterious person that looked exactly like Carmella behind the Polaroid camera. But I am interested to see where this character goes. I like that it's not just the typical, you know, woman in luxury gown, bubble bath thing. Like, it is, it's a real story. I like that, that just in the promos, it feels like, oh, okay, there is some meat on this bone. That Carmella is sitting there going like, yeah, I was entertaining, I was silly, I was fun. And it didn't get me nowhere. I like that she's coming out of this and being like, I'm I'm not interested. You know, I, I did everything for you fans. You, you know, you cheered for me. But you did nothing to support me. You did nothing to keep me there. Like all that stuff. I, I think it's good. I have so I, I do actually have some faith in this Carmella thing. Um I told you Alexa Bliss would be gangbusters at this. I told you how good Alexa Bliss would be. I think you guys believed me for the most part. I hope that you guys believed me for the most part. But I wasn't even remotely surprised by how good she is. However, it should be acknowledged. She's brilliant. Alexa Bliss is so good in the role that she's in. By the way, she's great on Booker T's podcast. She was on Booker T's podcast, out of character, just doing a regular person, you know, the human being Booker, talking to the human being Alexa. And Booker brings up Bray Wyatt, and all of a sudden she slips back into that character. And I'm like, yep, this is money. This is money. So that brings me to what is going to happen on SmackDown this week which is uh, the draft, year two of the WWE on Fox draft. You remember last year's draft was only the second episode of SmackDown on Fox. Uh, This year they're doing it again. Uh, And at one point over the weekend, the WWE posted a tweet about Raw, SmackDown, and NXT being involved in the draft. And then they deleted that tweet and reposted one that was just Raw and SmackDown being involved. To my understanding, the draft is only between Raw and SmackDown. And I I believe that to be true based on how it's been advertised. But also, I mean, if you watch TakeOver, I don't know why you bring back Ember Moon and Tony Storm and start elevating people and clearly point the entire product into a new direction if there's going to be a draft in, you know, six days after takeover or five days, whatever it is. You know, I, I, I think that I think that you're definitely, definitely looking at a Raw versus SmackDown draft. Uh, and so since, and, and maybe we'll do a bigger draft podcast on Thursday for the people at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, but for today, since this is the last time that I'll speak to some of you before uh, the first draft episode and next week, We'll come back. We'll look at the draft part one and we'll start to look at where we could go with part two. But I made my list of five people that I would move from SmackDown to Raw and five people that I would move from Raw to SmackDown. 
Uh, this isn't my complete draft list. This isn't all the people that I would draft. It's just a list of five for now that I figured would get the conversation going. Now, uh, when I looked at it, for me, the draft isn't necessarily just, uh, you know, let's get big stars on this brand. Let's get big stars on that brand. It's as much for the brand as it is for the performer. Could the performer use a fresh paint of coat? as it said on some podcasts. Could the performer use a change of scenery? You know, do we need to get to a place where things just need to freshen up? There are some times with performers where that's what it takes. We got to scrap a lot of what we're doing and not quite start over, but start different. You know, I, I think that uh, uh, that's happened many, many times. Like Kevin Owens starting his feud with the McMahons. That was that was a, a kind of start over type thing. And I think that there are a bunch of people that could use uh, a start over that are kind of stuck in a little bit of a, a repeat cycle. And there are other people who I think it would just be good for them. So let's go person by person. We'll start with Raw. Here are the five people that I will bring from SmackDown to Raw. Some more controversial than others. But we'll start with Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, uh, I still believe, is a main eventer. Uh, however, I think he's done all that he can do on SmackDown. He won the Universal Championship. He did beat Goldberg. But he lost to The Fiend. He got laid out by Roman Reigns. You know, I don't think anybody wants to see another Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns match. I don't think anybody realistically believes that Braun Strowman's going to beat the High Chief. You know, I mean, at least with Jey Uso, I know what you're saying, what, Jey Uso can beat Roman Reigns, but Braun Strowman can't. But with Jey Uso, it's a story. It's a fresh, new story. There's nothing fresh feeling about Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. Even And I don't think that people want to see Braun Strowman as a babyface for a while. Braun Strowman was never more popular than in his first run with Roman Reigns when he was a bad guy and he was flipping over ambulances and he was, he was just tearing everything apart. I think that's the brawn that we need to see. But I, I think that, uh, I think that Braun Strowman coming to raw, because I think about the potential matches, you know, I think, uh, I think there's more you can do with Dabakato. Maybe I think, uh, having a Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee match would be good. And I think Braun Strowman would be a great heel opponent for a champion, Drew McIntyre. I think Braun Strowman would be a would would be a very good addition. And I don't think there's anything left for him to do on SmackDown. There's no match on SmackDown that I'm sitting there going, "I'd love to see that Braun Strowman match on SmackDown." I feel like I've seen them all. Uh, on that same note, also a heel. I think it's time for King Baron Corbin. To move over to Raw. I think that, I think that, honestly, I think damage has been done to him on SmackDown. I think that he's been used on SmackDown as just a guy who gets beat by the baby faces. And, you know, for some reason, I, I like, and that's a role that has to happen, right? You need to have a credible villain that good guys can come in and defeat. And that's kind of how you know they're at that level. But for me, and I hope this isn't insulting, I think Sheamus is that guy. I think Sheamus is the, is the guy who's done so much and is so good 
that you will never not look at Sheamus as a credible threat. I think you will. I think Sheamus can she, can in a heartbeat turn it on. No matter how many times he loses, Sheamus can come across like you can't beat that guy. You can't beat Sheamus. I think Baron Corbin's been beaten too many times. I think that he came from Raw the first time after the whole Seth Rollins Becky Lynch thing. I think it did him no favors. Then he came over to SmackDown. He got beat by Elias. He got beat by Matt Riddle. He got beat by everybody. So you know, I think moving Baron Co- Corbin over to Raw would be good. And I think it's time to protect him. I think it's time to have him beat people. You know, I think it's time. I think you could, you could, I think building up Baron Corbin to the, to the point where you can have a Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre match, and even somehow figuring out a way to get the title on Baron Corbin. I've thought for a long time, Baron Corbin should be a champion, but it doesn't feel like it's going to happen on SmackDown, but I'd like to see it happen on Raw. I think Baron Corbin would be a good addition to Monday Night Raw. Now, these next three, I think, are going to be controversial. But I still think it's the right move. My next move from SmackDown over to Raw is Matt Riddle. I just, I see so much potential in Matt Riddle. I see his ability to be a big star. And I just don't see it clicking on SmackDown. I think that, I don't know, there's just, there's too much going on with too many great stories on SmackDown that there's like, there's almost no room for for the rise of Matt Riddle. I think Monday Night Raw is the place where we could see a rise of Matt Riddle. I mean, there's not even any room for Matt Riddle in the Intercontinental title scene right now. I don't think. You know, and I don't want, I want to see Sami Zayn as the Intercontinental champion right now anyway. You know, I think having Matt Riddle come in and being a guy who can mess with the Hurt Business, I think the idea of having a Matt Riddle-Bobby Lashley match, like you've you've actually got an opponent that we believe is going to possibly win as opposed to the people who, who Hurt Business have been fighting, you know? Maybe even starting some kind of faction. I don't know if he can if he can start a faction with Ricochet or whatever, but come in, beat Ricochet beat the Hurt Business, you know, and start moving up the ladder that way. I think I think Riddle would be a great addition to Monday Night Raw. You know, I think that because of the position that Roman Reigns is in, and it's not a negative in any way, shape, or form, because Roman Reigns is better than he's ever been. I think you have struck gold with Roman Reigns. However, this version of Roman Reigns does not allow... For certain people to rise in those ranks. This version of Roman Reigns is not going to allow for a bunch of new good guy stars to be built right now because nobody wants to see Roman Reigns lose. It's one of the reasons why Matt Riddle can only go so high. It's another reason and one of the many reasons why I would move Big E from SmackDown to Raw. Now, that's a hugely controversial decision, but I'll tell you why. Um, number one, I think that it would help in kind of giving Big E a subtle change to the character. I don't mean like making it so that he's serious and not goofy anymore. I mean, going from a rainbow singlet to tie-dye trunks. You know I'm all about the tie-dye trunks. Going from a rainbow singlet to tie-dye trunks. Going from SmackDown to Raw. I also think that there is still something on SmackDown about Big E. I don't think that the full commitment is there. 
I don't think that it's fully clicked in yet. And there is this thing that you're feeling going like, well, Biggie's great as a singles, and now we're kind of ready for Kofi and and Xavier to come back and for New Day to start up again. And I think if Big E gets drafted to Raw and Kofi and Xavier stay on SmackDown, the New Day still exists as this union, right? There's no breakup. Everybody's still good guys. There's no demise of the New Day. We could have Survivor Series where they meet again. We could do all kinds of stuff. The podcast still lives on. But now Big E is truly on his own. And maybe he gets to Raw. And maybe Randy Orton says, like, oh, you don't have your 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 friends to protect you anymore, Big E. And now we're into a Big E Randy Orton rivalry, you know? Now we're into a Big E Aleister Black rivalry. Now we're into there's many a bunch of places. Another guy who I'd love to see in a match with Bobby Lashley, Big E. But I just I, I just think it would be a very organic way to solidify Big E as a potential single star. And to to freshen things up for him, you know, I think I think it could be really really good for Big E. My final move to Raw is probably going to be the most controversial of all. My final move to Raw is Bailey. Yes, Bailey. I move Bailey to Raw, and this isn't one of those deals where we just switch the champions and we change the color on the titles. Bailey switches over to Raw. Now, what I would do is this Friday on SmackDown, I would announce that Bailey and Sasha Banks will meet at Hell in a Cell. I would then draft Bailey to Raw on Monday. And Sasha Banks stays on SmackDown, by the way. So now it's like, oh my God, like the, the match is signed, so it's still going to happen. And now we're all left to believe that Sasha Banks is going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell. I would have Bailey win the match. Chicanery, cheating, sneakiness, but I would have Bailey win the match in the main event of the show. Although, Maybe second to last, because maybe Roman has to go last. But have Bailey win to the point where people are like, well, what are we supposed to do now? Is Bailey just going to wrestle on both brands? But WWE owner Adam Pierce comes out and he says, no, like this draft has to be taken seriously. Bailey, you are a raw superstar. We are going to strip you of the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then a women's tournament starts on SmackDown to crown a new SmackDown champion. This will all lead, and and then you're sitting there going like, well, this this Sasha Banks-Bailey rivalry has never culminated. We had one match in Hell in a Cell. Bailey had the title stripped from her. Sasha didn't even win the tournament. She got cheated out of the tournament with something, and, then, you know, Sasha's now got business over here happening on SmackDown. Bailey's now got business over here happening on Raw. And we don't even talk about Bailey and Sasha Banks anymore. We talk about that like it's over. The two parties have moved on. That's when we get to Royal Rumble. And that's when Sasha Banks wins the Royal Rumble. Because the business that has happened since Bailey was stripped of the SmackDown title, Bailey goes to uh, uh, WWE owner Adam Pierce and she goes, 
if you're going to strip me of my title, then I want the opportunity to have yours. And we go to, I guess it wouldn't be Survivor Series. It would be the December pay-per-view or maybe Royal Rumble. But we have a smack, a, a Raw Women's Championship match where it's Bailey versus Asuka. And Bailey is the woman who takes the title from Asuka. Bailey wants revenge. Don't forget, Asuka came to NXT and embarrassed Bailey. Embarrassed her. So, took the title from her. Bailey wants revenge. Bailey beats Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Sasha Banks wins the Royal Rumble. And that's when Sasha Banks says, I know I'm on SmackDown, but at WrestleMania, Bailey, I want you. And finally, we get to the Mega Powers collide. And that's how we get to Bailey versus Sasha Banks. If they are on the same roster, it will get screwed up. And I don't think, I think putting Bailey on Raw will add a level of entertainment that Raw could use. I think Raw could use more Bailey. I think SmackDown could use more Sasha Banks, quite frankly. I think that they, 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 that act together adds so much, but the, the parts are also pretty heavy. So that's where, that's where the logic to me is to put Bailey and Sasha on two separate shows, Bailey on Raw. Now, you're probably sitting there going like, well, SmackDown just lost Baron Corbin, Matt Riddle, Braun Strowman, Bailey, and Big E. What the hell are they going to get in return? Good question. Great question. SmackDown gets Kevin Owens, you know, and I don't think that's going to shock anybody. And Kevin Owens might go right into a rivalry with The Fiend. I want to get Kevin Owens off Raw. Um, I think that... Uh, uh, Kevin Owens is great. I would prefer to draft him to NXT. If NXT were open for the draft, it would definitely be Kevin Owens going to NXT. But no, I'm going to put Kevin Owens on Raw. He's going to be uh, an opponent for The Fiend, maybe, while we're waiting for Roman Reigns. But who knows? Maybe The Fiend gets Kevin Owens to turn. Oh, I guess Roman Reigns is a heel. So Kevin Owens becomes an opponent for Roman Reigns as well. You know, I, I just think that there's a lot you could do with Kevin Owens on SmackDown. So I move Kevin Owens to SmackDown for sure. I moved Shayna Baszler to SmackDown. I think that uh, things got off to a rocky start with her on... Well, no, the start was good. And then it kind of went to nothing. I think that a fresh start on SmackDown would be good for Shayna Baszler. I think that she can keep... Stay as one half of the SmackDown Women's Champions. I think you have Nia Jax on Raw. You have uh, uh, Shayna Baszler on SmackDown. As long as they're the champions, they can perform on both brands. But before long... They lose the titles, and Shayna Baszler becomes a single star on SmackDown. And Shayna Baszler becomes a big part of that SmackDown women's tournament. I may even have Shayna Baszler going all the way and winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. How great would a series of Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, SmackDown Women's Championship matches be while we're waiting for that Bayley match to happen? And what's awesome is Shayna Baszler could beat Sasha. Sasha could win the Royal Rumble, and then she could still get her opportunity at Bayley. And then when she beats Bailey at WrestleMania, it's okay that she lost to Shayna Baszler. So that's uh, that's why I put Shayna Baszler on SmackDown. Um, another person that I bring over to SmackDown, and I'm struggling with this. You know. 
as much as I advocated for and would love to see a Keith Lee-Braun Strowman match, it may have to wait because Keith Lee gets drafted to SmackDown. Because Keith Lee would be an amazing opponent for Roman Reigns and for many other people. Keith Lee fits right into that position right away. I mean, you could do Hell in a Cell, Jey Uso versus um, Roman Reigns and then lead right into a program. And maybe this year at Survivor Series, you don't do champion versus champion. You know, because maybe this year at Survivor Series, we just, we do, maybe there's a, a couple of, I would say do, do a men's elimination tag and a women's elimination tag. And the rest of the matches do not have to be cross-promotional. The rest of the matches can help build stories that actually matter on television. I would say interpromotional elimination tags. Three teams of five on the men's side, three teams of five on the women's side. And then other than that, just have all three brands represented in their own matches. You know, have Bailey versus Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Have the finals of the SmackDown Women's Championship tournament. Stuff like that. And maybe do Keith Lee versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. But I would definitely bring Keith Lee over to SmackDown. I just, if you're going to keep Keith Lee babyface, there's not enough room for him on Raw right now. And if you're going to turn him heel, he could be heel on either show. Um, I mean, I guess if you're going to turn him heel, it would probably make more sense to keep him on Raw. But as he is now, I think it makes more sense for him to be on SmackDown. Speaking of big heels... The next person I would bring over to SmackDown is Seth Rollins. The Monday Night Messiah becomes the Friday Night Faith Leader. (laughs) The Friday Night Faith Leader, Seth Rollins, and not Buddy Murphy. So here's what I'm thinking. Because you're going like, well, we're not even, we're still in the middle of a, a story with the Mysterios. Technically... You could tell, first of all, everybody's sick of the story with the Mysterios, right? I mean, not, no, 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 I I take that back. The story with the Mysterios is good. But Dominic versus Seth Rollins matches, Ray versus Seth, like we've seen the matches already, right? So how do we keep the story going if Seth is not on Raw? Technically, the story's with Murphy now, right? It could be a good opportunity to elevate Murphy and have and, and and really, it's a much more compelling match. If you can elevate Murphy, who would then elevate Dominic, and start doing Dominic versus Murphy matches, because Dominic's never beating Seth Rollins. I don't think Dominic's ever won a match. And he's had a bunch of them now. He never wins. He could beat Murphy, maybe. Keep the story going with Murphy. And then that would also allow Dominic Mysterio to kind of enter into the WWE world where he's not facing opponents on Seth Rollins' level. He's facing opponents on Murphy's level, which is a little bit more realistic for Dominic uh, as a, as the future potential. And then have Seth Rollins come over to SmackDown and be like, I'm here to save SmackDown. And so you've got Roman Reigns as monster heel, bad guy, champion of the universe. And then you've got this other main event level heel, Seth Rollins. So you could do... Keith Lee versus Roman Reigns and uh, whoever versus uh, a whole, you could do, uh, 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 I was going to say Fiend versus Seth Rollins, but we've already seen that a bunch. Whatever your next big uh, baby face is. Or you could do Fiend versus Roman Reigns, Keith Lee versus Seth Rollins. You could do a bunch of stuff. But 
I just think it would be good for Rollins to get over to SmackDown and to shake off the cobwebs and try something new. My last person to move to SmackDown after this week's Raw is actually Robert Roode. I think that when we saw Robert Roode, I saw something in him where I was like, you know what? If this character is done right, it can be an attraction. It can be something. It was in NXT, and there's no reason why it can't be. I think that putting him in a tag team with Dolph Ziggler is all wrong. Um, I think he just has to be reintroduced, and he has to win matches. And I think that he can't, maybe even putting Robert Roode and Seth Rollins together could be something. But I would move Robert Roode over to SmackDown. My Raw 5 are Baron Corbin, Matt Riddle, Braun Strowman, Bailey, and Big E. My SmackDown 5 are Kevin Owens, Shayna Baszler, Keith Lee, Seth Rollins, and Robert Roode. It's going to get interesting, folks. Some of those takes are going to be very controversial. Some of these takes are going to make people unhappy. But you know what? That's kind of what I do. It's kind of my MO. It's on brand. For the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, thank you for being here with us today on Not Sam Wrestling. We'll be back on Thursday for everybody that's a patron, everybody that's a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. And for those of you that aren't, we'll see you again on Monday here on Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50+, plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358.